Here we go. This is your host, Ross Gelseth, Winning Words Podcast. And today we have a unique title. I think you'll find it unique. Power, Love, and Self-Discipline. You might think to yourself, yes, that is a unique mixture. So let me give you the context. Sit back, enjoy, listen, and hopefully you'll learn. So here we go. Power, love, and self-discipline refers to Paul's letter to Timothy, which is recorded in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. In chapter 1, Paul wants to encourage Timothy. Paul was a missionary i.e. traveled, and his calling was to visit the various churches that had been formed after Jesus ascended to heaven. So he had, in his journeys, Paul had shares of his share of struggles, challenges, and yet he kept on keeping on, so to speak, admirable in that regard. In fact, part of his challenge was his proclamation of faith was in God, not in Caesar, not in a human ruler. And as a result, he was imprisoned twice. And he wrote, even during those difficult, challenging circumstances, the biblical reference indicates that at one point he was kept in a dungeon. But He wanted to stay in touch with the churches that had been formed. There were three reasons that he wrote to Timothy, wrote two letters. First Timothy, second Timothy. He was lonely to see Timothy again. So writing the letter was a way of communicating. The second is Paul wanted to encourage Timothy in Timothy's role of overseeing one of the churches. In this regard, Paul also wanted then, he wanted Timothy to transfer what Paul gave him via the letter and to transfer that to the church of Ephesus, which is one of the early churches, the New Testament. So Paul was focus in his why of writing these letters. And in the first chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul references that Timothy should fan into flame the gift of God that had been given to the early church and had been given to Timothy. Fan into flame. In other words, get excited. Know your way. Know your role. Know your why. And then fan it into flames. Imagine that. That's excitement. That's exhilaration. That's exhortation. That's encouragement. That's let's get after it, so to speak. So the other thing that Paul referenced in the letter is you have more left in you. 
Do not let things lie as they are. Keep moving the work of God forward. And all of those exhortations can apply to our lives today. We can fan into flame the gift of God's abilities that we have received. And or we can almost let the flame go out. It's our choice every day. Are we fanning the flame? Are we exhilarated? Are we excited? Are we moving forward? Do we have a purpose? Do we know our why? And so as he continues here, we move into verse 7. And again, this letter is meant to be of exhortation, but also letter of encouragement to his brother Timothy. So Paul continues in verse 7, and it says there, that we are not to be timid, not held back. We are not to have lack of confidence. We're not to be timid. We're not to be held back. We're not to have lack of confidence. So it says we're not given a spirit of timidity, meaning we don't want to let those negatives hold us back, to make us timid, to make us reserved, and to preclude us doing what God would have us to do. How many times have you or I sat back and talked yourself out of doing something that we knew we likely should have done, but somehow we got sidetracked, I got sidetracked at least, I can only speak for Ross, and I didn't follow through. Because I got talked out of it, so I talked myself out of it. And later I realized I should have pressed onward. I should have moved forward. I should have pushed the envelope, so to speak. So in verse 7, it continues and says, Instead, we have, you and I, have God-given power, love, and self-discipline and Paul is encouraging Timothy his brother in faith his brother in the Lord to use that God-given power to do it with love and to also use the self-discipline that we have the ability that God has given us now, let me break each one of these down into the three tools, so to speak, that Paul suggests, strongly suggests, to Timothy, that Timothy has at his access. The first is power. Power, whether you think of it in terms of the starting of an engine or power with a machine that drives activity and drives production, or power relative to leadership, power relative to authority. Whatever the context might be, in those cases, I would suggest to you that God-given power is something we all have. We have the abilities as People formed in God's image, and he has given us the gift of power. 
Now, what do we do with that power? And that's what Paul is encouraging Timothy to realize. Timothy, you have uncommon power. We have uncommon power. Every day, you and I can get up in the morning and we can start our day with the realization, the reality that we have God-given power to do what we aspire to do on that day. We do not lack for power. We do not awake each day with an empty tank, so to speak. Instead, we have a full tank. We have unlimited power through the grace of God, the goodness of God. And that power can help us make impact in the world, can help you make impact on a daily basis, can help you lift others, encourage others, lead others, exhort others, but most importantly, to lead yourself throughout your day, throughout your week, throughout your life. So power, and the key is, with God's help, it says that nothing is impossible. So our reliance on the realization that we have this power, which is uncommon because we have God helping us, move it forward. And this was the encouragement that Paul wanted Timothy to take to his church people, that they, as Pastor Tyler Soley exhorts us every Sunday at Life Center in Tacoma, Washington says, we don't just go to church, We are the church, and he sends us out into the world for the week. Well, when we're sent out, so to speak, Paul wants Timothy to realize, let the people know that they have uncommon power to share the gospel, to do what God would have them to do, and to not to be held back in any way. So power, unlimited, to be used as God would have us to use it to better the world that we live in, to spread the gospel, to do what you do within your career, within your community, within your family. We lack not for power. Use the power we have. The second tool that Paul references is the gift of love. So not only to use the power, but to do it as we love one another, as you love another, as I love another, as you and I love one another. As I give you this podcast content, I'm doing so as a gift. That's an extension of love. Love smooths the way. Love is met with warmth. Love is met with smiles. Love is what builds relationships. Love is what sustains relationships. Love is what grows relationships. So here too, Paul doesn't just want to let Timothy know he's got this love, loving way to do the work of the Lord. But instead, Paul again wants Timothy, his brother, to realize that the people of Ephesus, the church of Ephesus, would be one where love was a part of the culture. Let me pause. Visualize, you walk into two rooms. Room A, 
There's people in the room, but everybody's sitting there stoically, eyes on the floor, eyes on the ceiling, eyes looking around, little or no contact with people. You walk into that room, the silence is eerie, isn't it? You can feel a degree of stark coldness in the room. It's uneasy, unsettling, uncertain. Room B, on the other hand, when you walk in, there's light in the room, there's smiles in the room, there's laughter in the room, there's encouragement in the room. Your your sense is a sense of relationship, a sense of togetherness, a sense of warmth. And there, the room is much easier to enter into because you can feel the love, so to speak. Doing what it is we're doing each day as people, if we can be conduits of love to one another, we'll get so much more accomplished. We'll get so much more done together. Why? Because people around us, the people that we come in contact with, will sense our sweet, warm spirit, our willingness to collaborate, our willingness to listen to the other person to the point of understanding. Not just listening for the sake of listening, but listening for the sake of understanding my brother or my sister and what it is that you're trying to communicate and you're listening for their response, so to speak, for their interpretation of what it is you're offering. So, again, we have this spirit of power, of love, love from our Heavenly Father extending through us onto others. The power of love. And here we are coming up on Valentine's Day in just a few days, the holiday where we celebrate love. Love was God's idea. The third component that Paul is writing to Timothy about is we have this degree of self-discipline. Now, self-discipline in itself is a significant, valuable tool in our lives. Our lack of self-discipline, on the other hand. And sometimes, and maybe this was the case, that Paul was sensing in his spirit that maybe Timothy and, most importantly, the church of Ephesus was not showing the level of self-discipline that Paul felt was necessary in order to expand the influence and the impact of God through his son Jesus. That's simply a biblical illustration. So Paul is writing to Timothy and saying that your self-discipline will move the mark, so to speak, move the marker, make progress. Now, let's pause. I used the illustration earlier about waking up in the morning and moving the needle forward, so to speak, moving our lives forward, making impact in our career, in our community, in our family. What holds us back? I would suggest, based on my own life experience, just a short 73 years, 
but at times the lack of self-discipline. If I have to wait for someone else to discipline me, I may wait a long time because everybody else has to take care of themselves. Self-discipline is exactly that. It's the discipline we build within ourselves. Who is responsible for Ross? Ross is responsible for Ross. Who's responsible for Ross's degree of self-discipline? Who's responsible for the soft, easy way, the anticipation of nothing done very difficult? Take it easy, slow and easy. That's good once in a great while, but the reality of life is, in my opinion, Strong people are people of significant self-discipline. They do the don't, they do what others will not do. And not only will they do what others won't do, but they'll do it consistently. Self-discipline, in my humble opinion, is one of the greatest attributes that we can develop. And it's admirable to be seen by others. Whether that's a self-discipline in terms of diet, in terms of uh, exercise, in terms of work ethic, in terms of timeliness, dependability, consistency. I'll give you a perfect example. When I mentioned first thing in the morning, for me, because of my faith, and because of my persuasion that I want to keep growing my faith in God, my dependence and my realization on him, I therefore spend time in devotions. Not every day, I'm not perfect, but most days, the first phase of my day is spent with my devotional time. Reading, interpreting, praying, thinking about the ideas that come to me through my devotional time. Now, what could I be doing between 5.45 a.m. and 6.30 in the morning? I could be jumping out of bed, go get in the shower, and move on right away. Could be all well and good. Why do I pause with a degree of self-discipline for devotions? Because I feel that that helps me prepare me for my day. It helps me grow and become a better man and become a better person. So in that context, just that little example of, but to me, it's a big example. To me, in fact, it's huge. My devotional time is a part of who I am almost every day. Again, not perfect. But it's one little example of the self-discipline. Now, if you take this into the, the reality of life, think of painters, think of musicians, think of athletes, all of which these people have developed their skills. Do you not think that the development of these skills is not really a function? Isn't it really a function of their self-discipline? Learning to play the piano, for example, is not a one-time effort. Very few people, in fact, I don't know anyone, that said, well, I sat down at the piano one time, I learned to play. I became an accomplished pianist. No, 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 no. Becoming an accomplished pianist 
is a function of the self-discipline. But go back to the piano bench day after day after day and not just accidentally or hypothetically push the keys, but instead do so such that you're improving your touch on the keyboard, your awareness of the sounds, your awareness of the rhythm, your awareness of the notes, and so on. And eventually this person becomes a significant pianist. What was the key to it all? The self-discipline to keep going to the piano bench, sitting down and practicing. Think of the stories of the great athletes, the great hitters in baseball, the great quarterbacks in football, the great offensive players and defensive players in basketball. They've developed their skills. First and foremost, they had to have the self-discipline to go to the practice field or the gymnasium day after day after day, put on their gear, go out, sometimes the inclement weather, sometimes when everyone else was gone, and yet they were still there practicing their skill. And what happened over time? Again, because of their self-discipline to bring themselves to the arena, so to speak. What happened when they got in the arena? They were a very skilled, polished athlete. And what happened? They competed very, very well. Not because of natural ability always. Helps a little bit. But most importantly, they used the self-discipline that Paul exhorted Timothy and the early church to exhibit. Paul wanted Timothy to pass on to these people. And can't we, think about this as parents, think about this as grandparents. One of the greatest things we could pass on to the next generation is their own awareness of the yearn, the need, the desire for self-discipline not someone else disciplining, but instead self-discipline. So those three pieces were tools that Paul wanted to remind his brother Timothy. And he did so in a spirit of encouragement to Timothy to keep working hard, to believe in himself and his abilities. Paul wanted Timothy to be the very best leader that Timothy could be. He wanted Timothy to know he had what it took, so to speak. We have what it takes. Believe in yourself. Believe in your abilities. Have the confidence. And then Paul wanted Timothy and the early church to be a church of love, of sweetness, so to speak, of smiles, sustaining, growing, building relationships. The church's role was to spread the love of God to people, to share their faith, to give it away. So that was the second uh, urging, so to speak, from Paul to do so in love. Love, love, love. And then lastly, the greatest type of discipline that we have, self-discipline. So Paul wanted to remind Timothy and the early church of this need, this realization for self-discipline. So today, without this being a sermon, I just felt like in my heart, this podcast should be dedicated 
to a quality of advice I could give you, so to speak, no charge. If it's good enough for Paul to write it to Timothy, I think it's good enough for Ross to give it and pass it on to you. Why? Because it's been given to me. One of the best books I've ever gotten is a book called The Gift of Years. My wife gave it to me several years ago for Father's Day. The story of the book, the storyline, the theme is when we live to a stage in life, we look back. And as I mentioned, for me now, 73, I was probably 68, 69, somewhere in that rage, rage when my wife gave me the book, The Gift of Years. But the theme is look at what you've learned, gained, experienced in these six, seven decades of life and see it as a gift. Now, think about the excitement of a gift. Isn't it fun to receive a gift? But in order for you to receive a gift, someone has to give it to you. So the theme of the book, one of the themes I should say, is to not only see our life experience, what's happened to us, what we've learned, what we've gained, so to speak, not materially, but who we are, See it as a gift. But then what do we do with the gift? We give it away. So today, I'm giving away to you this teaching from Paul in 2 Timothy, his teaching to his brother Timothy, that we are not given a spirit of timidity, but instead a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and self-discipline. So prayerfully on this podcast of winning words where we speak life into others. Here I'm speaking of the life that's thousands of years old that my friend Paul wrote about to Timothy to keep on encouraging Timothy in the early church. Today I use the phrase speaking life. Speaking life is my terminology for encouraging others, just like Paul tried to encourage Timothy with Timothy encouraging the early church. Hope you've enjoyed this session, and I simply want to say to you, be encouraged, realize that you're not to be timid, that you have power, that you have love as a means, and as a culture, use it, and then use the self-discipline to greatness not only to aspire towards, but to move towards because of self-discipline. So thanks again for being with us today as we focused on power, love, self-discipline. Feel free to visit my website, www.jelsethassociates.com for what are currently about 60 of my podcasts that I've taped over the past three years. God's best to you. Ross Jelseth, signing off. God bless you.